Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Here in the Northern Rockies, dark winter months are outlasted in basements, dens, and nooks, where kindred souls gather to share intel, swap fly patterns, and relive the memories from seasons past. This gathering spot, known locally as a February room, is the inspiration for this podcast. No matter the season, the door is always open to those with a fly fishing story to tell. Brought to you by CD Fishing USA, the North American distributor for composite development fly rods and fishing accessories. Tech, precision, ingenuity, legacy. Go to cdfishing.us and follow us on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. Here's your host, Lauren Carnop, and this is The February Room. Welcome to the February Room today. Our guest is Christian Duflac, co-owner and operator um, of Estancia de los Rios, a 360,000-acre lodge located in the Chile-Argentina border. Welcome to the show. So glad to have you. Welcome. Nice to be here. So Estancia de los Rios is the second largest property in Chile. How yeah. did you... How did you and your brother come across this property? Yeah, when back in the early 90s, we were flying, we were hired, we had the dream job of uh, being hired to explore places for fishing. So we had a helicopter and a pilot, and we had a float plane and a pilot, and we told them where to go, anywhere we wanted. So we did that for two years, 
And we, one day we were coming back um, from fishing on the float plane and um, weather came up. So we had to go towards the east, fly towards the east to avoid the storm. And while we were doing that, we looked, we looked down and we saw an amazing river, an amazing looking river. And luckily uh, there was a little village there and uh, there was an airstrip and this float plane was amphibian, it had uh, wheels as well. So we landed and uh, the river was, I don't know, a couple of hundred yards from the, from the airstrip. So we started fishing and it was just incredible. We, we, it was just unbelievable. And it was sort of like uh, off the, the route that we usually flew. Uh, this is in Patagonia, in, uh, north of Coyhaique. Um, the, the main city of, of Chile and Patagonia. So uh, later um, that year, we, when we finished our exploration program, um, we came back uh, by land. We drove and we camped around and we started, we figured that where we were, who was the owner of the property and we got in contact with them and then we continued exploring this for three years, the property, and then we decided that we had enough, enough knowledge to, to start a fishing lodge. And so that's how, how we started. Yeah, we've been operating since 94. When you got off the helicopter and checked out the water, you said you went fishing and it was amazing. Um, can you tell me a little bit about that experience? So we were east of the of the Andes, which is very strange for Chile because Chile on the eastern border of the country is the, the continental divide. Uh, so the waters flowing to the, to the Pacific Ocean to the west are all Chile. But, and it has a few exceptions. And this, this ranch, the whole upper drainage of the river was an, actually an exception because it's, uh, as I told you, uh, this river flows from the east to the west and go through the Andes Mountains, which is very strange, but it's, there is a, there is a, or like a gap there that was carved by the glaciers. So the continental divide in this part of Chile is uh, further east towards uh, the Atlantic. And this uh, being in the eastern side of the Andes, it's a, it's a drier area. It has less uh, precipitation. It's, it's very similar to here in Montana, where we are in, in Missoula right now. Very similar uh, precipitation. Uh, the altitude of the ranch uh, is about 2,100 feet uh, above sea level. It's not that high. And uh, so it was sunnier than in the temperate rainforest in the, in the western side. So there were prolific hatches, uh, a lot of terrestrials and uh, excellent dry fly fishing. And that is why we're there. We're there because it is uh, one uh, enormous property and you have the luxury of uh, not seeing another soul in an entire day when you're fishing. Uh, you know, there's probably five, five cars that go by the road on any given day, you know? So it's, it's really, really fantastic in that respect and has remained like that for over 25 years since, since we've been there. Uh, when you look, when you're, when you're there, you, you really feel like, gee, this looks like Montana, you know, or Wyoming. Uh, and it is really true. It's, it's, uh, 
you have the mountains, of course, semi-arid and beautiful rivers and spring creeks and lakes all over the place, solitude. Of course, the, for example, the trout, brown trout mainly in this drainage. Then you have the insects which these trout feed on, which are going to be, they are mayflies, caddies and stoneflies and uh, lots of hoppers and other, other beetles, which are important. Uh, so it is a lot of similarity. There is a lot of similarity when you look at it in a, in a broad spectrum. When you go, um, you get more specific uh, looking at the flowers, looking at the species of the trees and the birds. Yeah, you see a lot of the, the, the largest bird on earth today, which is the condor. You see very often you're fishing and the condors are on top of you. Yeah, and, and then the fish, they, they behave in a, in a slightly different way because there's lack of anglers. There's, I'm not saying that they're not, they, don't, they're, they do spook. Um, they're always looking up, up above, you know, they know that dangers come from up above. So if you're not careful, they're going to spook. But they're, they're more forgiving than, and not as selective as they are in general here in Montana and North America. Do you have like a really memorable fish that you've caught in um, in Chile? Oh yeah, yeah. It's uh, I have uh, many stories, but one that that I always treasure, you know, for, for being so exciting is that I was guiding a lady. Uh, we were fishing with a dry fly fishing with a number five rod, three x tippet, and uh, so uh, we were going upstream, and then to the corner of my eye, I saw a flash. Okay, very close to the to the shore on a grassy bank and then I turned while she was casting I turned and uh, looked to the place and sure enough you know I saw an 18 inch brown sipping some insects uh, it was uh, I think at that time like a caddis fly so we were using a, a hopper a parachute hopper tan color so I said to her you know, cast over there to the bank. And then she gave a couple of casts, nothing happened. And then the third cast, she puts it in and the, the fly does not float. It sinks. The fly <laughs> sinks. And when she's retrieving, she catches the fish. And then, okay, nice, you know. And then the fish starts pulling. And very quickly we realized that it wasn't the 18 inch. It was something way bigger and it was just taking off upstream fat, very fast taking line and we had to chase the fish and where we could see that uh, like a hundred yards above there were uh, there was a big like a, a big riffle and big rocks and the fish went all the way there to taking into the vacuum and we have to chase the fish um and then decided when we were there this fortunately they say not to go through the rapids, through the big rocks, because they would have been impossible to chase. Then came down again. This took back and forth thing uh, of us chasing the fish because we were had the very thin tippet. Now three X was ridiculous, and then the five number five rod was we couldn't put any any pressure. So we we could see the fish at the end. We could see that it was uh, I don't know over thirty inches. I might guess it could, could be. Give or take three inches, five inches. But anyway, it was very thick in the shoulders and uh, going into the river because the, the head of the fish would not come up. And so we had to 
it was not tired but we knew that we had to hurry things up a little bit not to hurt the fish and also to to have some chance of uh, catching uh, so I took my net and I soon I touched the tail and the fish took off and this time <laughs> the line, he went under a log and snapped everything you know so the fish got away the fish got away but um, but it's, it's some of uh, you know I don't know the, the stories of, of large beautiful fish that get away to me they're some of the best and it remains in my mind and it, this story has a, a lot of the unexpected you know a surprise element and but it, we, we were really happy I mean she did an amazing job so that, that it was one one of my more memorable stories you know I think a lot of people who are probably listening is like okay is he in Chile right now but you're actually here in Missoula Montana um, can you give us a little bit of background about your story and what brings you to Chile and Missoula, Montana? We came to live, got a, a green card in 2008. And uh, being myself in the travel business and in fly fishing, I wanted to come here because the, most of my clients, our guests come from the United States. And I've been here many times. And the reason why I came was not a, sort of like a business reason, but it was a family thing. I wanted my my two daughters to have education here in the in the states. I was not happy with what um, the alternatives were in the place that I lived in Chile in Puerto Varas. It's a small town, um, so for me, to, for us, really to get better education for our daughters, uh, we need to go to the big city. Santiago is a six, seven million people with lots of uh, the air is not that good, you know, and it's an enormous metropolis, and I, we didn't want to make that change you know and uh, so we decided to to come here and uh, it turned out for for the best because uh, it's, it's we have as you know opposite seasons so uh, I get to sample two summers per year and it's pretty an, an amazing luxury uh, so that's how we got to and my wife went to the here to the university well, it's pretty lucky that you never get to uh, really be part of the February months where it's just dark and gloomy in Missoula, Montana. I have to say I'm very jealous of that opportunity to go back and forth. Um, has fishing always been in your blood? Like, how did you get involved in fly fishing? Yeah, it's through my family. It's my, my, my father, he started first fishing lodge in Chile in 1964. When he was 24 years old, and um, he he was a an enthusiastic fisherman, and then uh, he started uh, guiding people when he was probably in his early 20s, and then at the end he just he was he decided that I need to go and look for a place, and he he explored Chile in those in those years, uh, and finally found a place and bought it uh, was 10 acres for five dollars uh, and uh, so he he built this this lodge and it was uh, the beginning for two two rooms four guests and uh, so when I was born when I was aware uh, that fly fishing has always been there really and streams and lakes and fishing uh, I was very uh, fortunate really 
you know, to born in a, in a place like that. You know, Kumilawe, the lodge is uh, no longer uh, accepting, taking guests. My father takes a few of his very best friends. He's retired now, so but he doesn't guide. He, there was no guiding in those days. No guiding. Uh, it was, uh, unless you had to flow the river, uh, then you had a boatman, but not a, an actual guide. So that was the way they did it in those days. So I started guiding at the lodge, my dad's lodge, and then uh, we started, uh, as I said, exploring for, for places to fish, people uh, from Chile and from all of other parts of uh, in the world. They, they looked at us as uh, consultants to explore places um, or to verify that uh, the, the fishing conditions of a place they liked were, were acceptable, were good, stuff like that. So we've been doing that for a long time. And at the end, uh, when we found the ranch, as I said, by, by flying and, and later going back, we decided that it was a very unique spot, the 380,000 acres in the private property. You don't find them every day. Plus the, the, the ranch, they lease 160,000 acres from the government on our reserve. So the area, it's, it's, it's in excess of half a million acres. I have to be very careful because people think that I'm exaggerating sometimes, but it, it, it is true that the, there's different weather patterns inside the ranch. It's very large. So there's a, there's a more rainy area and a drier area as you go to the east, and there's a of course, the mountains to the west, and with much more vegetation and different topography, and it's flatter towards the east, open. So there's a lot of diversity being being close to the mountains. Well, with such a vast property, have you ever had any experiences that were probably a little bit nail biting? In 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 trouble because of isolation, you mean? Yes. No, there's funny things that have happened. Really, we're we're cautious uh, we never go alone in uh, to places that are far away and when we go on an expedition on a on an unknown area we we tell people at the lodge uh, the plan you know uh one time i do remember a, a, a funny story because we're the the ranch is very close east one of the borders the eastern border is the the argentine border the border with Argentina so one time we wanted to go to a specific lake and we were driving around with four-wheelers and looking for trails and and we saw the lake at a distance and so we started walking and uh, when we met this person and he started talking uh, to us with a different accent and we realized that we were not in Chile we were in Argentina we had crossed the border unknowing we just said hello, we fished the lake and realized that the lake that we've seen in satellite pictures was not in Chile, but in Argentina. So it wasn't inside the ranch and we went back. And so it was a really funny story by going to another country, you know, unknowing, you know, just like <laughs> explore. So for you, what makes um, Estancia de los Rios, other than the lands that you kind of described, why is it so special to you? Well, I think that there there are less and less places in the world where you can uh, you can fish in solitude and silence, and I think uh, that is the what that makes it special. The, the fact that you're 
you're fishing, dry fly fishing, you're going upstream most of the times, and uh, you know, you look at the at the sand, at the, and you don't see tracks, you know, of any anybody. So you know that it's totally virgin water, and this fish have been there probably and fished for I don't know, a couple of weeks uh, because we we have a, a huge amount of probably in excess of 100 miles if you add all of the streams and rivers apart yeah so that is the reason the reason is uh you're not competing with uh, other anglers and 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 you, you don't have that in, in the back of your mind where you think that oh this water was fished before or somebody spooked the fish with that much fishing pretty much 24 7 um kind of lifestyle does fishing ever to you seem boring no not no of course uh, never boring i i see fishing in a different way um i like to guide i love guiding i love uh, fishing by myself uh i i choose very specific uh, situations and I end up guiding if I go with my wife for example I end up guiding her and just we go with through two rods and soon enough I am my rod is all reeled in and I don't even have a fly I'm very excited making her happy you know sort of like so uh, no because I I think um, you know fishing it like many other outdoor activities, like hunting, skiing, you know, uh, even sailing, what it does to to you is you sort of like become more aware of nature, of certain aspects of nature. For fishing in particular, you are always aware: is the water clear? Is, is it fast? Is it slow? Is it cold? Is it warm? Is it windy? You know, uh, are the insects out? You know, what, what is the structure? You're unconsciously looking for all of that reading, the water. And uh, if you go outside one day, you are always aware of uh, if it's windy or not, you know, if the bugs are out or not. And so the, uh, with the with time, when you are on the, on the water, I think a, a fisherman with experience, you, you see like a book with lots of pages, you know, so it's never, never boring. Well, and especially with your place in Estancia de los Rios, you have 360,000 acres. Have you fished everything over there, or are you finding new places every time you go out in the water? We haven't. Uh, we haven't uh, fished uh, all of it. There's, there's corners uh, that are, are far away. Uh, we, we need to go on pours. There's no roads. Uh, probably, I don't know, three, four hours, something like that. And but we discovered, for example, the main river. Uh, it made a turn to the north and went north. I don't know, twenty miles, twenty-five miles. But in in the middle of that stretch, there was big some big falls, so there were no trout. Uh, probably in a good fifteen, twenty miles of river above the falls, although the falls were, it was a series of falls. So we discovered stuff like that, that, uh, uh, for example, there's another aspect that is like walking the main river all the time with clients. You see a, like a small tributary coming in and you see this one, it's big enough to hold, to make it interesting fishing and you follow that one. 
but there were some really small ones which uh, by just hiking around we there were small down below but they were really large up above which is because when they reached the main valley these streams or rivers they sunk into the into the gravel the flow of water sunk and by the time it came to the river where we see them they were small and we were overlooking them but when we went up they were fantastic rivers to fish do you have any memorable guests that you fished with before Oh yes, we had the, the fortune of fishing with Jack Hemingway and uh, I met Jack uh, at my dad's place. They were really good friends uh, with my father. He came to my father's lodge uh, in the first time is 1974, 1975 and then he until uh, much later, he, probably in the 90s, so it was an excess of 20 years. Uh, at the end, he, he was coming uh, probably for a month to Chile, he had a car in Chile and stayed with us uh, for a month. And then, uh, so his, his uh, a little background, well, apart from being the son of Ernest Hemingway, um, he, he was a superb fisherman, you know, uh, really, uh, as a person, really interesting, uh, very nice. Most interestingly, he parachuted behind enemy lines in France because he, he spoke perfect French and when he parachuted he was carrying a fishing rod. So he used fishing as a way of disguising himself because in those days in the resistance and the, the, there was lack of food and people were fishing for, for a livelihood, they were fishing for food. So it was a way of becoming a local, if you will. He was captured and uh, he was captured and he escaped. Later, he escaped into Switzerland because he was an ex he could wade stream. So he waded a really very fast stream into Switzerland, and so fishing was entangled in all of his life, really. So, and Jack, when we started at the lodge at the ranch, Estancia de los Rios, he came, he came a, a couple of times and fished with us. Yeah, he was he was an, an amazing fisherman. He presented my father with a, a, the fly rod that uh, Ernest Hemingway used here in Idaho and uh, also in Spain when he was writing For Whom the Bell Tolls. My father gave me this rod and when I came to the United States, I, I gave it back to him because I didn't want to, I wouldn't travel, didn't want to travel with the rod, you know. Uh, so yeah, that, that, this is one of the, one of the very memorable guests, you know, that we, we have encountered in our life. What you said in the beginning that you like guiding a lot more than fishing and kind of listening to your story with uh, Jack Hemingway, it seems that maybe it's because of the stories that you get to connect with the guest and learn more about them. So is that is that pretty true? Yes, yes. All in all, fishermen are excellent people. <laughs> Not because I am a fisherman, but... And when you're guiding People are having fun, so they're in a in a, in a situation where there it's a positive situation, a fun situation, and there is there are um, you know we had uh, guests that have been fishing uh, with us for close to thirty years every year. You know, like there some guests live here in Montana, very very close, and they've been our first clients ever fishing with us, and then uh, they still go. Um, they're going, they're going again. You 
now. So because I think that when when you're when you're fishing, it, there's a lot of barriers that go down, uh, and that is why it, it, because you're you're uh, it does it's not important who you are in society or how much wealth you own, uh, uh, what language you speak. You're there, and and you are two two people fishing, and there's a, an exchange of information. And in a way, fishing is is a is a way of meditation. It takes you, it, it cleanses your mind. Absolutely, which is, I mean, unfortunately, at this time with uh, COVID nineteen, I think. Um, there's a lot of how do we get back to our roots with nature with a lot of these restrictions. How how is Estancia de los Rios uh, working through all of these COVID nineteen restrictions? Is there much you guys can do? Are you taking new clients? Yeah, we we are taking clients. We we this, we are taking clients that we have some reservations. They're not uh, as many as usual. I think that we're going to have a lot of. Uh, last-minute reservations. Uh, people are worried about what's going on right now, and they're not thinking about. There's many uncertainties, but we wanted to take some uncertainties out of the equation. So now, for example, we uh, that when when people secure a date with a deposit payment, we are requiring uh, in fifty uh, instead of fifty percent, we're requiring thirty uh, one third. And uh, we're also making the deposits uh, that are refundable, not refundable, but the deposits can apply to a 100% credit towards a future visit. So you, if you cancel, you don't lose the deposit. So if people want to reach out and they want to get, they want to get this in the books, um, what's the best way for them if they want to book a trip with, um, with Estancia de los Rios? Yeah, they could, they could uh, go to my website, antisjourneys.com, drop me a line on a, or write to me to my cdoflog at gmail.com. Yeah, and also you have your beautiful, wonderful, smart wife, Anne-Marie, who also can help out with assisting if you ever see her in Missoula, Montana as well. Absolutely, yeah. She's, uh, she's my partner in all of this as well. And she's um, very enthusiastic and good fisher woman. Thank you so much for chatting with me today. Yeah, I really appreciate it. We will be getting on the river soon. Excellent. Thank you. And uh, we'll be in touch. For the inside scoop on the fly patterns we've discussed with our guest, check our blog for Flies of the February Room. If you would like to enter the February Room, shoot us an email at info at cdfishing.us. Also, remember to subscribe, share, and if we've earned it, give us those five stars. Thanks for dropping by, and remember to go fishing.